Welcome to Word Connect with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga, a teaching ministry where believers are trained to be established in the truth of God's Word. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.thepastormax.ng. Father, thank you because I'm anointed to teach. Thank you because your people are anointed to receive. And together our faith is built up in the knowledge of the person of Jesus. I pray that light and understanding will come forth in and through your word. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Now this, this month we've been teaching on the subject of finances. And we look, we're looking at the word of God. What the word of God says concerning that subject. This morning I want to speak on the subject of tithing. And I know uh, in the body of Christ, the subject of tithe has been debated all, I mean, all the arguments that can come for it or against it. But this morning I want to show you from scriptures what I know the word of the Lord says concerning that. And uh, let not your heart be troubled. (laughs) This is not a message to get something from you but to give you revelation and insight on the subject. So I'll call this tithing from the place of victory. And I'm very deliberate about using that topic. Tithing from the place of victory. Not tithing so you can get victory, but tithing from the place of victory. Now, when you, when you talk about the word tithe, what does that word mean? The word tithe, it's the tenth, speaks of the tenth, or ten percent. And so, when you count, for instance, you count one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. That's the tithe. The tenth, or the ten percent of something. Now, it's important for us to understand where the word tithe was first mentioned in the scriptures. And what was the basis for that? What was the platform for that? Let's go to Genesis chapter 14. And we're going to read the story of Abraham. Verse 1. Genesis chapter 14. And verse 1. In Genesis chapter 14 and verse 1. It says, Now it came about in the days of Amrel, king of Shina, Arioch, king of Elisha, Shedelumina, king of Elam, and Talda, king of Goim. If you're looking for children's name, you can find something there. And they made war with Bera, king of Sodom, and with Bisha, king of Gomorrah, Shina, king of Adma, and Shemeba, king of Zeboam, and the king of Bela, that's Zoa. And so all of these kings came, and I need you to follow this, they were in battle, they were fighting. And they came, if you read down, they came to uh, to make war against Shedelumina, the king of Elam. And in verse 10, the Bible says, Now the valley of Sidon was full of tarpits, and the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah fled, and they fell into them, but those who had survived fled to the new country. Now, they took all the goods of Sodom and Gomorrah and all their food supplies and departed. Now, in those days, when uh, kings went to battle, it's not like today where they just shoot 
you know, guns and just kill people and walk away. They would actually come and take both your wives, your children, praise God. They'll take everything. So, it, it, it was called the spoils of war. So, they'll take everything. Then, it goes on to say, uh, you know, Lot at this time was in Sodom. So, in verse 14, verse 12, it says, they also took Lot, Abraham's nephew, and his possession, and departed, for he was living in Sodom. So, I want you to understand this. They came to Sodom, fought, they carried everybody, including Lot, okay? And all his possessions, okay? Remember that Lot had a lot of possessions, that's why he separated from Abraham. You remember that? Okay. Then, when Abraham heard, verse 14, when Abraham heard that his relative had been taken captive, he led out his trained men, born in his house, 318, and went in pursuit as far as Dan. Verse 15, he divided his forces against them by night, he and his servants, and defeated them, and pursued them as far as Hobah, which is north of Damascus. Verse 16, he brought back all the goods... And also brought back his relative Lot with his possessions and also the women and the people. So, uh, they started out in this battle. They went to the whole land, conquered, carried everything Abraham heard. Then Abraham took 318 servants in his house and pursued them and got everything back. Got all those possessions back. Got all those goods back. Okay. Now, it goes on to say... Verse 17. Then after this, his return from the defeat of Shedelomina, and the kings were with him. The king of Sodom went out to meet him at the valley of Shaphat. That's the king's valley. Now, verse 18. And Melchizedek, king of Salem. The word Salem is peace. So, some Bible historians and theologians say uh, Melchizedek was the king of Jerusalem. Or uh, Salem means peace. Okay? Now, we know that Melchizedek was uh, a, a, what you call a theophanic expression of God. Because in Hebrews chapter 7, the Bible tells us after the talk, talks to us about the priesthood of Melchizedek that had no beginning and had no ending. And we only know that the one person who has no beginning and who has no end is God. So Melchizedek, just follow me now, um, is a theophanic expression of God. Okay? It, uh, it, According to theology. Now, and Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. Brought out bread and wine. Now, what, what does bread and wine symbolize? Communion, praise God, revelation, insight, mystery, fellowship, kononia. He brought out bread and wine. And he was a priest. Now, he was a priest of God Most High. Now, look at what the priest said. I want you to understand first place how the tithe started. This was 600 years before the law. The law had not been given. So, there was no law given to Abraham. Nobody had instituted the law. The law was given 600 years after, after they left uh, Egypt. Now, then he blessed him and said, Now, understand this. Abraham had, div uh, Abraham had uh, conquered. Now he was coming. And the priest of God was coming. And the priest of God gave him bread and wine. The first thing, when you look at this story carefully, is to find out who did the first giving. Who, who did the first giving? Alright. All our visitors, this is a talking church, okay? <laughs> Who did the first giving? The priest, the priest of God Did the first giving Gave him what? Bread and Brought out bread and wine Then he did what? He blessed him 
Had Abraham given him anything yet? No. Are you sure about that? Abraham has not given him anything yet. He blessed him and said, Blessed be Abraham of God most high, possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed be God most high, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. Now, if you look at your Bible carefully, if you're using a, a, a good Bible, you would see that the quotation mark ends there. That means the words of the priest were finished. Now, the, the, the last words of the priest was that it was God who gave you victory over your enemies. Now, we understand that Abraham took this uh, 318 servants and went to the battle. How can 318 servants of an ordinary man defeat all these mighty kings, take back their possession and defeat them? It's only because there was the hand of God and the blessing upon the life of Abraham. That's, that's the only explanation. Now, you understand something again. The priest did not ask anything from him. He just said that. What was Abraham's response? Let's look at this. He gave him a tenth of all. So we see that the first place ever in scriptures where the tithe was given without a law, it was a voluntary response of a man to the fact that God has given him victory. He didn't give the tithe so God would give him victory. Because before he ever had the tithe to give, God had already pronounced the blessing. You know, sometimes pastors have made it look like, yeah, if you don't give the tithe, you know, then no, 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 no. And so we make the tithe a big deal. <laughs> and you know, when I mention tithe, one scripture comes to your mind. What's the scripture? Malachi chapter 3, verse 10. That's why most of us are scared of Malachi. And that's why some, most of us also, when we want to pray, we carry our tithe book. And I'm going to teach you, don't ever do that. It's an insult on God. Oh, you carry your tithe book. Oh God, I paid for January. I paid for February. Look at it if you ever went to school and can read. I paid. Answer me. It's an insult on God. Don't ever try that. That's praying based on self-righteousness. The one reason why God will answer your prayer is because Jesus has paid the price for your sins and your iniquities. We've taught a version of Christianity that looks like you can bribe God. Are you hearing what I'm saying? <laughs> uh, we, 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 let's build this thing gradually. Verse 21. Then the king of Sodom said to Abraham, Abraham, sorry, give the people to me and take the goods by yourself. Abraham said to the king of Sodom, I have sworn to the Lord God most high, possessor of heaven and earth, that I will not take a tread or a sandal tongue or anything that is yours for fear that you would say I have made Abraham rich. Because Abraham knew the source of his victory. He refused to take anything from this earthly king because he did not want to ascribe his increase to them. So, what do I want to establish in this verse of scripture? First of all, even before the law, the tithe was a response. It's like, it's like I work 
throughout the month and I'm paid. And I'm like, oh God, thank you. This month I went to, I went to work. You gave me the brains. You gave me the strength. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You gave me the energy to, to give. Therefore, God, I bring my tithes before you. And in Jesus' name, I honor you for the victory that you have given to me. It's not like I'm saying, oh God, this is my tithe. Now I have given my tithe. You give me victory. A thousand times, no. No, sir. No, sir. Someone say, yeah, but pastor, the Bible says if we bring the tithes, God will rebuke the devourer. But in the, in the New Testament, He tells you, you can rebuke the devourer. You don't need God to rebuke the devourer for you any longer. You can do that. You've got the authority. Give no place to the devil. Why? Because Ephesians 1.3, you're blessed with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. They couldn't rebuke the devourer in the Old Testament because they were not born again. They didn't have authority over the enemy. Praise the name of the Lord. <laughs> you know, we've taught people to tithe as if you're paying the mafia boss. Hmm? You know, the month you don't tithe, your car breaks down, your AC stops working. Say, did you tithe this month? Say, no. Mm, no wonder. Hey, quickly, quickly, go and pay, go and pay, go and pay before they bring more devils to cut our fan. And then you just pay. Say, God, I paid. Oh yeah, on the AC back. What an insult. It's, it's just wrong theology. Are you hearing what I'm saying? No. The devil can be rebuked because Jesus gave you his name. Are you hearing what I'm saying? See, we have over-exalted money in the body of Christ and put money where it should not be. And we must deal with that, even in your own life. I see people struggle to give 10% to God and I ask, what does that extra 10% in your life, how far does it take you? Everything in the new covenant must be done out of faith and love. Everybody say faith and love. Faith and love, not out of fear. Because God does not give us the spirit of fear. Are you still with me? Okay. Now, let's look at the second place where the tide was mentioned. In the life of Abraham's child, um, Jacob. Genesis 28. Go to Genesis 28. And verse 18. Genesis 28 and verse 18. So Jacob rose early in the morning. And took the stone that he had put there under his head. And set up as a pillar. And poured oil on its top. Verse 19. He called the name of that place Bethel. However, previously the name of the city has been lost. Then Jacob made a vow. Listen to this. Saying, if God will be with me. And will keep me on this journey that I take. And will give me food to eat. And garments to wear. And I return to my father's house in safety. Then the Lord will be my God. Verse 22. This stone which I have set up as a pillar will be God's house. And of all that you give me, I will surely give a thanks to you. Can you see that the two instances we have read about the tithe, it was the people responding to what God was going to do for them. Abraham responded to what God did for him. Jacob says, listen God, I don't have anything. I don't. He was running away from his brother. And he says, you know what God, please, if you will do this for me, I'll give you a tent. You look at the end, God didn't ask him. God didn't ask him for it. 
He said he was going to do it. And how, why was he going to give God a tent? He was going to give God a tent in response to the provision that God was giving to him. Are, are you following this? Now, 600 years after, the children of Israel got, into, got out of Egypt. It now became a law. It now became a law. Now, most times when we teach the tithe, we teach the tithe like uh, that was the only thing they were to give. But that's not, that's not it. In fact, there were three classes of tithes that were given in the Old Testament. And outside of that, there were several offerings that was required of them. Now, let's go to... Let me, let me talk to you about the the system of tithe that was instituted into the law. So just write these scriptures down. Deuteronomy chapter 12, Deuteronomy chapter 14, and Deuteronomy chapter 28, 26. Deuteronomy 12, 14, and 26. The tithe was now brought into the law. So it became a system of giving. Now understand this. It became a system of giving for the benefit of the children of Israel. Now, why was the tithe instituted? What was the purpose? What was the purpose? Why was the tithe instituted? Second Chronicles chapter 31. Second Chronicles chapter 31. Why was the tithe instituted? Now, because it has become a law now. It's been, it's part of the law. Second Chronicles 31 and verse 4. Second Chronicles chapter 31 and verse 4. He also, verse 4 to 5. Also, he commanded the people who lived in Jerusalem to give the portion due to the priests and the Levites. That they might devote themselves to the law of God. So, what happened was that as the economy of Israel, as they left Egypt, they now needed to develop their own economy. Okay? Now, there were 12 tribes in Israel. But the Levitical priesthood, the Levites, they were not allowed to work. They were to serve in the temple daily. And so, what God uh, designed was that as they were serving in the temple daily, the other tribes were to go to work and bring a ten percent of their income, praise God, to the to the to the temple, and from there they will be able to take care of the priest and the Levite. Now you must understand something: the Levite also included the musicians, because the Levites who sang were doing it full time. That was their job. They were singing daily. They were offering sacrifices daily. The gatekeepers were doing that daily. So the, the 10% that came in was part of what was required to take care of the priests and to take care of the Levites that were serving in the temple. Now let's read on. It says, As soon as the order spread, the, the, the sons of Israel provided in abundance the first fruits of the grain. So they were giving of the first fruits. The new wine, the oil, honey, and all of the produce of the field. And they brought in abundantly the tithe of all. 
The sons of Israel and Judah who lived in the cities of Judah also brought in the tithe of oxen and sheep and the tithe of sacred gifts which were consecrated to the Lord their God and placed them in heaps. Can you imagine? In the third month, they began to make the heaps and finish them by the seventh month. They started giving by March. And they finished in July. Just giving. <laughs> when Hezekiah and the rulers came and saw the heaps, they blessed the Lord and his people Israel. Then Hezekiah questioned the priest and the Levites concerning the heaps. Azariah, the chief priest of the house of Zadok, said, Since the contributions began to be brought into the house of the Lord, we have had enough to eat. With plenty left over, for the Lord has blessed his people, and this great quantity is left over. So we see that as they began to participate in this economy, the blessing of God and the overflow was in their life. But I want you to see what the response is. The response is to the blessing. The response is to the blessing. Now, now we, we hear something in the book of Malachi called a storehouse. So what is the storehouse? What is the storehouse? Let's, let's, let's explain it in context. Keep reading. Then Hezekiah commanded them to prepare rooms in the house of the Lord. And they prepared them. Okay? Now, they faithfully, everybody say faithfully. Brought in the contributions and the tithes and the consecrated things. The, then Kononiah the Levite was the officer in charge of them. And his brother Chimian was the second. And then he lists all of those in verse 13. When you go to the last line. Azariah was the chief officer of the house of God. Now verse 14. Korah the sons of Ema the Levite the keeper of the eastern gate was over the free will offerings of God. Look at this. To apportion the contributions for the Lord and the most holy things. Under his authority were Edom, Mina, Jeshua and all of those people in the cities of the priests. To distribute faithfully their portions to their brothers by divisions, whether great or small. Verse 16, without regard to their genealogical enrollment, to the males from 30 years old and upward, everyone who entered the house of the Lord for his daily obligations, for their work in their duties according to their divisions. Verse 17, as well as the priests who were enrolled gene genealogically according to their father's household, and the Levites from 20 years old upward by their duties and what? Their divisions. Now, what happened, this is where the concept of the storehouse began. Um, as they were given, you must understand that the, the Israelites were an agricultural society. Okay? So, as they were bringing the oxen and bringing the cattle and bringing the oil and bringing the vegetables and bringing all of that, the priests were well fed, the Levites were taken care of, and there was many left over. So, Hezekiah commanded that uh, they should build additional rooms around the temple. To store those things for two reasons. So there could be storage for them and from there they can minister to other people. So that's where the concept of the storehouse came from. 
Do you understand that now? So in Malachi chapter 3, when he says that there may be meat in my house, he was actually talking about the fact that those storehouses should be kept and there should be food in them because if those storehouses are kept, then the Levite and the priest that were offering the sacrifices and all of that can go about their daily obligations and their daily duty without trying to go look for a job. That's the context of it. Are you still here? All right. Now, let's go on now. Let's go to, um, we've read Second Chronicles. Um, if you go to Numbers chapter 18, verse 21. Numbers chapter 18, verse 21. Giving you the context of it under the Lord. Numbers 18, verse 21. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Number 18, 21. Let's read from verse 20. Then the Lord said to Aaron, You shall have no inheritance in their land, nor own any portion among them. I am your portion, praise God, and your inheritance among the sons of Israel. To the sons of Levi, behold, I have given all the tithes in, the is- in Israel for an inheritance in return for their service which they perform, the service of the tent of the meeting. So under the law, God instituted that as an economic principle to sustain the service of the temple. Now, I've heard people say, for instance, well, but in the New Testament, we're all priests. But we also dealt with the fact that in the New Testament, some are called into the fivefold ministry. Did we deal with that? And so, it's very simple. If you want the local church to run and fulfill its purpose on the earth, then that's what the tithe goes for. Because you've got the pastors, you've got the ministers, you've got people who are going on full time. And like I said in the first service, we're not just supposed to have people on our worship team who are giving of their time when they are free. We, we ought to, if we really want to do what God has called us to do in His fullness, we ought to have full-time people on our worship team who know that that's their work, who know that that's their responsibility, who know that that's their assignment. Praise the name of the Lord. You come into a church like this, and then you've got the air conditioners on, you've got the light on. The question is, who's paying for that? That's what your tithe is paying for. That's what your tithe is paying for. Are you, are you following what I'm saying? You, your response to what God has done for you. Because I'll tell you this. There were many times you didn't give your tithes to God. And God's mercy still came true for you. And God's blessing still came true for you. And God's favor still come, came true for you. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You don't give your tithes to God as a mafia boss. You're too small for that. You bring your tithe to Him as an acknowledgement of His grace and His mercy and His work in your life. Are you hearing what I'm telling you now? So they had to bring that to the storehouse. Now... There were three kinds of tithes. There were three kinds of tithes. There was the tithe they gave all the time, which was 10%. These tithes went to support the full-time religious workers who didn't have a land of their own. Then number two, there was also the tithe where it was used to provide a meal for the community, you know, to fellowship together. And there was a tithe of the third year that was used to minister to the priests. But outside of this, 
In, in Isaiah 58 verse 6 to 10 and Micah chapter 6 verse 6 to 8, you would realize that outside of the tithe, there were several other offerings that God required of them. And I want you to, to, to really don't miss that. Because sometimes we make the tithe as if it's the biggest thing you could ever do for God. Right? But you remember that they had other offerings. In fact, when you calculated everything the Jewish man had to give, it was up to like 23% of his income. It was up to like 23% of his income. So they had other offerings. Because if you read Malachi chapter 3 and verse 10, we always emphasize the tithe. But if you read that scripture carefully, it talks about the tithe and what? And offerings. Not just offering, offerings. Because God was addressing in the book of Malachi chapter 3, an economic system he had set up that the people were not participating in. And I'll show you that from scriptures. Now, if you add these three tithes together, it came to 23% of their income. Okay? Now, there was a tithe that they were to spend on themselves. There was a tithe they were to spend on themselves. Okay? Go to Deuteronomy chapter 14. Then don't go about saying, Pastor, this month's own is the one I'm to spend on myself. <laughs> Deuteronomy chapter 14. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. When it comes to, and this is my personal philosophy in ministry. When it comes to finances, hmm, I, I allow people to, to, to give where their faith is. You know, one of the disservice we have done to the body of Christ is to teach people in such a way that even Christians have placed money above anything else. You know, once you raise the money talk in the gospel communities, then every year is standing still. Because every preacher sometimes appears to you that it's your money they are after. If you're taught in a local church, you are fed the word. You are looked after. You should count it an honor to give and to participate in it. Are you, are you, are you hearing what I'm saying? Look at this. Verse. Where did I say you should turn to? Chapter what? 14. Verse what? I've not given you the verse. Find it. Okay, verse 24. We're talking about the third tithe now. If the distance is so great for you that you're not able to bring the tithe, you know it was animals. Since the place where the Lord your God chooses to set his name is too far away from you when the Lord God blesses you. When the Lord God, when the Lord God blesses you. You see that again? You see every time he talks about the tithe, he talks about the fact that God has blessed them. Not that God will bless them, but God has blessed them. I need you to understand that. Come on, are you, are you following this? He's always saying, come on, when God has blessed you. When God has blessed you. Because every time we bring the tithe, is an acknowledgement that he has blessed us. It's not, it's not saying you have to. It is saying you have. That makes a lot of difference. That makes a lot of difference. It makes a lot of difference in your heart. It makes a lot of difference in your reception of it. Now look at this. Oh, thank you, Lord. Then he says, verse 26. You may spend the money for whatever your heart desires. For oxen, sheep, wine, strong drink, whatever your heart desires. And there you shall eat in the presence of the Lord your God and rejoice and you and your household. This third year tithe, <laughs> God says, you know what? Spend this on yourself. 
So sometimes, as the Lord has blessed you, take money. This is a spiritual instruction. Go to that restaurant that you are always scared of going to. Ask for food. Ask for chicken. And buy juice. I specify Jews. <laughs> Lift your hands to God and say, Lord, I thank you. I am eating to your glory and to your praise and rejoice before the Lord your God. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Come on, are you hearing what I'm saying? You are permitted by God to eat before Him rejoicing. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Once in a while, from what God has given to you, kill goats and call people and say, why are we eating? Say, no, we are eating to his glory. We, we are thanking him by eating. And God is pleased with that. Are you hearing what I'm saying? But then there's an instruction. Because sometimes we also feel that, you see, because of the way we have been taught about God, we also feel like, yeah, God is against us. No, He's not against us doing that. He's not against us doing that. And that's why one of the things that we should always try to do in the body of Christ is having this love feast. Why? It is a, and that is why you see that in, in, our, in, our, in, in our meetings in our church, we try to fellowship a lot. Just, just eating together. Why? It's, it's because it brings glory to God. It brings rejoicing to God. But you know the reason why we don't have that time anymore in church? Because even from the pulpit, they have taught us that everybody in the place of prayer is a suspect. And so even when you have a love feast in church, when all of us read together, everybody say, I will take my own home. I will, I will take it home. Everybody's scared. Let's leave that. That's, that's a talk for another day. Verse 27. Also, you shall not neglect the Levites. Who is in your town? For he has no portion or inheritance among you. He says, so why you are eating like that? Remember the Levites. Don't eat alone. Then at the end of every third year, you shall bring out all the tithes you're producing that year and shall deposit it in your town. Now, what was happening is they began to build these storehouses in every town and in every city. So that from there, they could minister to the Levites in those cities and they could minister to the poor people in that city. Verse 29. The Levites, because he has no portion or inheritance among you, the alien, the orphan, the widow who are in your town, shall come, eat, and be satisfied in order that the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hand which you do. So, so God began to instruct them on the tithe. So for instance, we've got a local church here. And some of our brothers are in need. And we minister to them out of the welfare post. What's happening? It's your tithe getting that done. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Or we've got a widow in our midst. And we say, oh, we want to minister to the widow. What's happening? It's your tithe getting that done. And you see, so when you give your thanks to your local church, whatever church you're in, you see that you are putting provisions in there, not for just for the priest, but for the staff and for the offerings and the widows. And then somebody say, yeah, if that is the case, I want to be doing it myself. I don't want to give it to the church. Then it's very simple. There's no spiritual mystery about this. You also... Let's say, for instance, we use our local church. You know, decide, well, if that's the case, I'm going to administrate it myself. No problem. I will handle that myself. I know many widows. 
But then you come on Sunday and then you sit under the air condition that others, other people's tithes have bought. You ride the bus after service that other people's tithes has given. Now, it's simple. If you feel you can administrate the tithe yourself, then what we're going to do, we'll put you outside there. You won't use our speakers to hear the message. It's simple. I mean, you, you, won't, you won't use the speakers to hear the message. You won't sit under our air condition. And somebody say, but is the gospel not free? The gospel is free, the microphone is not. Are you hearing what I'm saying? The gospel is free, the air conditioner blowing you is not. The gospel is free, the bus that takes you home is not. So, if you want a free gospel, without all of this, you can as well stay in your house and preach to yourself. Don't even turn the live stream on. <laughs> because I need to be paid. I'm just joking. But you know what I mean, right? We cannot belong to a community and set our own rules. And at the same time, benefiting from what everybody else is bringing. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So, when next you're giving your tithe, you're not just giving God something so He can bless you. You know at the back of your mind, because of what I'm giving to the kingdom, I have my local church running. My church can minister to others. My pastor can be taken care of. And are, you, are you following what I'm saying? You, is it because we haven't also explained the tithe in this context to people? It almost looks like people look at this tithe as it's one very spiritual thing. It is spiritual, but at the same time, we understand how it is used to maintain the gospel. If you, and I'm going to teach that on, uh, on Sunday, Muslim or the Ox, if, you're, if you are well taught, and you know that your pastor is laboring over you, you should want your pastor to get blessed. I would consider it, <laughs> well, I'll consider it pure wickedness for you to desire for me to live a life of struggling because I'm called into the ministry. If I'm laboring in word and doctrine, it should be your joy. You shouldn't have a problem if your pastor gets blessed. Just as I shouldn't have a problem if you get blessed. We shouldn't have a problem with either of us getting blessed. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Come on, come on, talk to me. Imagine you drive and you bring a brand new car to church. And I say, wow, brand new car. What? No. And the wisdom again is this. Let me say this because some preachers listen to us. As a preacher, you have to be conservative for the sake of the gospel. You've got poor, struggling people in your church. There's no use standing in front of the pulpit and saying, you know, this suit, it costs 40000 And the guy says, hey, that's my, that's my salary for a month. This belt is $1 million. This shoe... It's 45,000. I didn't buy it here. How does that help the gospel? Because, you know, sometimes we feel, oh, Christians, you know, it's, sometimes it can be touching. And in your mind, you say, oh, God, all I'm asking for is 5,000. It's 5,000. And that is somebody's belt. You won't hear the message again. How belt 5,000? These people are wicked. They are wicked. <laughs> Let me tell you the truth. And because of that, 
We now see that sometimes when ministers want to do good, they now invite the camera. Because they want to show people that they are doing good. That itself is wrong. The Bible wants us to do our giving in secret. Let me tell you this. Let your heart be pure before God. Do what you're doing. God who sees in secret will reward you openly. The church should not try to compete with the world in how much charity we do. We don't have a business. Listen, you cannot do more charity than what people like Bill Gates are already doing. There's no use competing. We were sent for one assignment to preach the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. And as we take care of the poor and take care of the orphan, as the Lord helps us. For instance, as a local church, we've got people in school, going to school now, on scholarships from this church. We don't have to put it on Facebook. That so and so is on scholarship. Oh, we, we don't have to do that. But you know what? Even though you look like, yeah, I don't have anything. I'm poor. I don't have so much. By the time every one of us gives our tithes into the local church, we're able to send someone to school. I am not the one sending, it to, sending that child to school. Your giving is sending that child to school. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Your giving is, sending, is paying somebody, helping with somebody's rent. Your giving is helping a single. And that's why when all of us come collectively and we give to the local church, then the local church is empowered to take care of people. There are people who have gone to school through this ministry who would probably never have been able to go to school. And what made it to happen? It's your giving. It's your participating in what God asked us to do that caused that to happen. You've got to see it more from the perspective of, listen, I am not just doing this to get blessed. I'm doing this because I'm already blessed. I'm not trying to avoid a cause. I'm blessed already. Are you hearing this now? Okay. Let's move on. This is good. I like this. Somebody say, hey, but preachers are, are rich and poor people are well. Just, my friend, my friend, my friend, listen to me. Listen to me. Let other people's prosperity not reveal the depth of poverty in your heart. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Are you hearing what I'm saying? I'll tell you this. One of the things you don't know about preachers of the gospel, and I'll share this with you. A, a typical preacher's life, let me use myself, let me use myself. A typical preacher's life, 90% of his life is concerned about other people. He's either praying for them, visiting with them. It's more about others. It's more about others. And you know what? As these people get blessed, what happens? They bless him back. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I mean, imagine damning my keyboard is now. Now gets a job where they are paying him six million. And then he buys a brand new car for me. And then somebody says, Pastor is driving a brand new car. What should I drive? Are you hearing what I'm saying? I you not remember when Dami didn't have transport and I gave him. Are you following what I'm saying? You see, if you bless people, they would bless you. It's simple. Don't, don't try to... Don't try to wrap your head around it. I don't understand it. And then, let me put this out here very clear. If you think that there's a lot of money in the church... 
just across this place is an empty land. Go by it, print a name on a signboard, and start a church. And let's see how far. And they are just carrying money and give it to preachers. Let's see how much they will give to you. <laughs> are you still here? Don't be a reactionary Christian. Don't just react to things. Study the word. What does the word expect you to do? Get it done. And if anybody mismanages what belongs to the Lord wrongly, that's between him and God. When you give, you've done what you should do faithfully. You leave that man to God. God knows how to get justice on the earth. Are you hearing what I'm saying? This is for people who have so much concerns. <laughs> Praise the name of the Lord. Now, let's go to Matthew chapter 23. See something here. So when Jesus talked about the tithe. Now, let's, let's, uh, let's go back to, to, to Luke, to uh, Malachi, and then we'll come back here. Let me show you something. Malachi chapter 3, verse 10. Let's go back and we'll come back here. Malachi chapter 3. Are you getting blessed? All right. So pastors also need to watch that because there have been some extreme in that direction. Math, um, Malachi chapter 3. Let's read from verse 8. Will a man rob God? Yet you're robbing me. But how? But you say, how have we robbed you? Now, you must understand this. God mentioned two things there. What are the two things? Tithes and what? Offerings. But we always emphasize the tithe. But God was speaking to a system. I want you to understand this. It was a system God was speaking about. Now, go on. It says, You are cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me, the whole nation. So he was speaking to the, 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 the whole nation. Verse 10. Bring the whole tithe into what? The storehouse. So I spoke to you about the storehouse, right? Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house and test me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you a blessing until it overflows. Now, the storehouse, we're going to read more scriptures about it, was the houses or the rooms that were built so that whatever they brought can be stored to take care of the Levites and the priests. And now this whole nation, they were not responding to this anymore. They were not given to the storehouse. And God says, do this. Test me. Put what, put what I've instituted, put it to test. I'll be able to open the windows of heaven. What is the windows of heaven? The first time we read about the windows of heaven was Noah's ark. When the windows were opened, what happened? Rain came. And when the windows are closed, what happened? There is no rain. Because if there's anything that a farmer needs to be productive, it's what? It's rain. So God says, listen, if you give your tithes, I'll open the windows of heaven and you would have a born and a blessing. It will overflow. Because we saw right from what we read before that when they gave, there was surplus. Because their the land became fruitful. Praise the name of the Lord. Now, then I'll rebuke the devourer for you 
so it will not destroy the fruits of the ground, nor will your vine in the field cast its grapes, says the Lord. All the nations will call you blessed, for you shall be a delightful land, says the Lord. Now, we always look at God's anger against those who are not tight in here. But if you read on, you will see that God was expressing his anger against other things. Now, let's read on, and you see here. It says, your words have been arrogant against me, says the Lord. Yet you say, what have we spoken against you? You have said it is vain to serve God. And what profit is it that we have kept his charge? And that we have walked in mourning before the Lord of hosts. So now we call the arrogant blessed. Not only are the doers of wickedness built up, but they also test God and they escape. And that's how a lot of Christians are. They stop giving the tithes. They stop bringing things to the storehouse. And God said, why are you doing this? He says, listen, it's like serving you has no profits. Look at people who don't even serve you. They have more money than we have. Look at wicked people, ritual killers. It looks like they are prospering more than us. So their rejection from giving the tithe was because they felt, listen carefully, that even those who were not keeping these commandments were more blessed than they are. And sometimes that's the reaction of Christians. I know that girl. I know that man who is not serving God, who is not tithing. He has money. It is because we have also wrongly taught people that the measure of the blessing is how much money you have. We haven't taught people that your life does not consist of the abundance of what you own. You know, so much we've elevated money in the church. You know, if you have money, you go to a church. Even if you, are not, if you go to some churches and you don't even know anything, you become a deacon. And you don't know the Bible. You're a deacon just sitting behind, behind pastor. They turn to Deuteronomy. Deacon is starting from here. Revelation. First John. Galatians. Second Corinthians. Before deacon we get to Deuteronomy, 45 minutes have gone. Hmm? Because you have money. When they say, okay, let's have church meeting. Deacon is sitting down. He said, oh, what do you have to say? He said, my people said, <laughs> that's George Zicky. <laughs> say, my grandfather used to tell me, the man has parables. Par- church meeting is almost like a town hall meeting. Say, our people said, if our is not going this way, goats will go this way. <laughs> and then the pastor is now asking himself in the meeting, am I the fowl and the goat? What? <laughs> I hear what I'm saying. Because we've exalted money. We know politicians who rig elections. Everybody, the whole world knows that this election was rigged. We will still open our pulpit for them to come and do thanksgiving. Because we want roof. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And then you have a young person in your church who is struggling to tithe. And he's seeing governor doing first reading. He will tell him, say, what's the use? Are you hearing what I'm saying? And that's why you see that when you meet some pastors... Not people like us. When you meet some pastors, you see people say, Pastor, just pray for this thing. If, if this thing happens, eh, I, I will give you something. Number one, if you, if, you, if, you, if you meet me for prayers and you tell me that, that's the first thing that comes out of your mouth, I will pray. I'll just tell you that, you know what? Let it not happen. Don't give me anything. It's very simple. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And you, you see that callousness all over the place. Oh, pastor, if God will do this thing, I will buy speakers. I will buy speakers. Keep, see. It's, it's irritating. 
actually, to say the least. How many things have God done to you? Done for you? How many speakers have you bought? Are you hearing what I'm saying? If you need anything from God, kneel down. Raise your hand and ask him, God, I need this. If you want to give anything to God, go to the shop, buy what you want to and call. Don't harass people. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Come on, I said, are you hearing what I'm saying? This thing is not transaction. God is not serving us. We are the ones serving him. Sometimes, okay, you 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 put all your offering, send your offering message, send your offering going. Let my offering give me something. Let my offering go. Let my offering come. What are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? You need a job. You send hundred naira message. What, what nonsense is all this? Where we? Where we? Where will 100 naira take you to? Do you understand what I'm saying? And so we almost approach God like... And, and that's why you see sometimes when we talk about giving in church, it's almost like if you don't do this, God will not... We always do not teach people about the mercy of God, the grace of God, and allow people to respond out of His mercy and out of His love. People will be more generous givers. So Lord, I thank you from where you're bringing me from. I just want to be of a blessing to the church, to your gospel. I want more people to hear the truth. Praise the name of the Lord. So, God rebuked them for that. Now, let's go to Nehemiah chapter 13. I'll show you something here. Whoa, 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 whoa. Nehemiah, are you, are you, are you getting blessed? Somebody say, oh, pastor, can I not vow? Don't vow. Just ask him. Why? Because many people don't keep their vows. Am I right? I know a lot of you sitting here. You have forgotten your vow. So there are some churches you can't go to now because you promised them chair. We have Thanksgiving in that church. Say, which church? Ah, Gospel of Life Church. Say, no, I'm, I'm busy. Because if they catch you in that church, you know, the pastor can hear a preacher right there, just say, oh, hold him, hold him. I'll get back. <laughs> just hold him. They will think that he's the Holy Ghost ministering to you. The pastor will just write, no, don't let him go. Ten chairs are on his neck. <laughs> don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> are you hear what I'm saying? If you have vowed, go and ask them for mercy. Because you know some of those vows are under compulsion. The pastor says, if we don't get 100,000, nobody's going home today. Eh? I say, how can we go home now? And I want to watch match. <laughs> I say, I'll give 50. Say, so write his name down. <laughs> you now give wrong number. <laughs> eh? That call, this line is not available. It's like that you have played both the pastor. And then you think that those pastors are not wise. As you are going, they also send somebody to follow you on back. They just follow you. Know you have. So the next day, you thought you gave them wrong number. And I knock. Pastor sent me that the 50,000. <laughs> Jokers everywhere. Jokers everywhere. You know, some people have time. <laughs> Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Where did I say you should turn to? Nehemiah chapter 13. Alright. Let's, let's read verse... Um, let's see verse 10. 
So why, why did God rebuke them for, for not giving the tithes? Let's look at verse 10. Nehemiah 13 verse 10. I also discovered that the portions of the Levites had not been given to them. So that the Levites and the singers who performed the service had gone away, each one to his own field. Levites and pastors have gone to hustle. Storehouse was empty. They say, where is Pastor Max? Yeah, he's outside. Yeah, where is Pastor's wife? He's selling Gary at a Gaja market. Where is that Mickey body? He says, doing home lessons. Ah, where is everybody? Everybody have gone to look for food. Hmm? Haven't seen some pastors go to work, eh? rushing for Bible study? They are late. Say, oh God, fast, fast, fast. Service will soon start. Service will soon start. It's there. They are looking at Bible. And God said, ah, God said, no, they, they can't get there. You come and say, and God said, in January, He will bless you. In February, He will bless you. March will not escape you. Door will open. June will not. The man is tired. He hasn't read the Bible. You say, read from message translation. One thing. Read from Amplified. Read from New Living. 40 minutes have gone. See, then he just stopped. Anybody disturbing you will die. Anybody disturb. The man is confused. Eh? As he's there, he's thinking of his own rent. They say, your landlord will not put you to shame. I say, your landlord will not put you to shame. He's, he's, he's talking to himself. The man is encouraging himself in the Lord. You will not sleep outside. I say, this year you will not sleep outside. You, there will be roof over your head. There, from Genesis to Revelation, all you are saying is people will have roof over their head. <laughs> eh? <laughs> Hustling, left, right, and center. And you, you are just there. I receive. I receive. <laughs> I receive. I receive. Say, raise your hand. The Lord that gave me, the Lord that the blessing. Amen. The Lord that gave me, the Lord that the blessing. Amen. Hey, if you love that, you will get water. What are you people? Are you, what are you people doing? This Bible caused the blood of men. People died to bring the gospel to us. And we are saying, louder, amen, louder blessing. Are you, are you joking? We have reduced Christianity to mediocrity because we don't have time to investigate scriptures. How many times does Jesus teach and tell people that? And that's why today it's difficult to convince intelligent people to become Christians because we look like jokers. Hmm? You will be delivering one person every month, monthly deliverance, every month, one demon, every month, every month, every month, every month. You pray by 12, you pray by 2, you pray by 3, you pray by 4. Go and apply for a job, you pour anointing oil. The man brings out your CV, he's smelling oil, he drops it. Hmm? They are believing God for husband. You will drink oil. You will bathe with oil. You will put oil under your armpits. If you were using perfume, you would have been married by now. Stop that. Stop that. Go and buy perfume. And allow the fruit of the Spirit to work in your life. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Let's not make this thing too childish. This gospel caused the, the blood of God's only son. The days must come when ministers must reject certain offerings. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I don't know whether we've had a... I mean, I remember someone calling us one time in a church line. 
and said, do, do, do I pray for uh, Yahoo boys? I mean, yeah, I mean, I mean, the pastor pray for. How, do, how are we going to pray that prayer now? But pastors do that. Are you hearing what I'm saying? That's why, let me tell you something. The tithe is not to cleanse your conscience from guilt. You can't do people, and we're going to talk about that. We can't do people and run down people and do all kinds of things you want to do and expect that once you give the tithe, then your records with God are clean. No, sir. No, sir. Are you hearing this? So look at this. Verse 11, so I reprimanded the officials and said, Why is the house of God forsaken? Then I gathered them together and restored them to their post. So called all of them back and said, Hey, come on, get back to your post, do your job. All Judah then brought the tithe of the grain, the wine, and the oil into the house. In, and, and in charge of the storehouse appointed Shalimai and all of those people, the son of Metea, for they were considered reliable. And it was their task to distribute to their kinsmen. So, Ezekiah began to conduct this reform. Let's go to Nehemiah, uh, sorry. Nehemiah chapter 10. Quickly. Verse 37. Now, if you start reading from verse 32, it says, We also placed ourselves under obligation to contribute yearly one third of a chicken to the, for the service of the house of God. So this one, they put it under themselves. We're going to contribute one third to give to the house of God for the showbread, for the continual offering and all of that for the work of the house of God. Likewise, we cast lots for the supply of wood among the priests, the Levites and the people so that they might bring it to the house of our God according to our fathers, household at six times annually to burn on the altar of the Lord our God as it is written in the law. And that they might bring the first fruits of our ground and the first fruit of all the fruits of every tree to the house of the Lord annually and to bring the ho- to the house of our God the firstborn of our sons and of our cattle and the firstborn of our heads and our flock as it is written in the law for the priests who are ministering in the house of our God. We will also bring the first of our dough, our contributions, the first of every tree, the new wine and the oil to the priests at the chambers of the house of our God and the tithe of our ground to the Levites for the Levites are they who receive the tithe in the rural towns. So they were receiving this tithe in the rural towns. The priest, the son of Aaron, shall be with the Levites when the Levites receive the tithe, and the Levites shall bring up the tent of the tithe to the house of our God to the chambers of the what? Storehouse. For the sons of Israel and the sons of Levi shall bring the contribution of the grain, the new wine, and the oil to the chambers. They are the utensils of the sanctuary, the priests who are ministering, the gatekeepers, and the singers, thus who will not neglect the house of what? Our God. So you see, the tithe was not just used for the priests. It was used to pay everyone who walked in the what? In the temple. Praise the name of the Lord. Now, uh, Nehemiah chapter 12 Verse 44. On that day, men were also appointed. Thank you, Lord. Uh, over the chambers for the stores, the contributions, the first fruit, and the tithes. So you see, they gave more than the tithe. They gave more than the first fruit. Praise the name of the Lord. They gave more than the first fruit. The contributions, the first fruit, and the tithes to gather them in to gather into them from the fields of the cities, the portions required by law for the priests. And the Levites. For Judah rejoiced over the priest and the Levites who did what? Who served. That should be your joy. You should, you should be glad your pastor is blessed. You should rejoice over those who serve. 
Like I said in the beginning, as our church is growing, we should have a pastor who is just, I mean, our full-time worship pastor. And all he's concerned about is how to write songs for our worship services. And what's going to make that responsible? Your tithe. We should have somebody fully on media getting our message out. What's going to be responsible for that? Your tithe. No church can run effectively and have global impact without having full-time staff. Now, what's going to pay them? It's your tithe. And someone say, well, pastor, I don't believe in tithe. I believe in giving us I'm led. Then how is the church going to plan their, bro- their budget? Are we going to plan our budget as we are led? Come on, talk to me now. Do you know there are things in this church we have to pay monthly? Not we don't pay as we are led. Come on, imagine BUC comes to us and says, You guys have not paid your life. Say, We are not led. He said, No problem. We will lead you in darkness. So you can't, you can't leave your giving based on being led. This is a system of honoring God and causing the gospel to go forth. Praise the name of the Lord. Now, let's look at two more scriptures and I'll give you a summary and then we're done. The word storehouse appears 79 times in 70 verses of the Bible. You can also write 2 Chronicles chapter 31 and verse 4 to 12 and you'll see the reforms about the tithe. Now let's look at two scriptures. Three scriptures. Number one, let's look at Luke chapter 8 verse 18 verse 12. Luke chapter 18 verse 12. Luke 18 12. This guy was praying. Let's look at verse 9. Luke 18, 9. And he also told them this parable to some people who trusted in themselves. Look at this. Who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and viewed others with contempt. Two men went up into the temple to pray. One a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and was praying this to himself. God, I thank you. I'm not like the other people. Swindlers, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. The man was praying. <laughs> I fast twice a week. I pay tithes of all that I get. How many of you know that we are taught to pray this way? Hmm? Come before God and tell Him, I pay my tithes every month. And tell God what you want. Don't do that. Don't do that. Jesus tells us that this was a man who was paying, trusting in himself. Because you think when you pay your tithes every month, you now trust in your own faithfulness. And you want to use that to get something from God. Every giving you can give is a privilege. And it's an honor. Are you hearing what I'm saying? When you come before God, you're not bringing your giving as the reason why He should answer you. What gives you answers in the presence of God is the sacrifice of Jesus. And don't ever forget that. Praise the name of the Lord. Matthew 23, 23. Matthew 23, 23. Somebody getting blessed? Learning something? Getting better? Say amen if you can. Alright, thank you. Matthew 23, 23. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you tithe, mint, and deal, and cumin, and have neglected the weightier provisions of the Lord, justice, and mercy, and faithfulness. But these are the things you should have done without neglecting the others. So Jesus did not say we should not tithe. He says we can't, we should tithe, but we should not neglect faithfulness, justice, and mercy. 
You can't be somebody who does not miss the tithe, but you are very wicked to your customers. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You cheat people. You, you are not faithful at your place of job, uh, uh, work. You, you are not faithful to your employees. You, you cause damage where you are working. And yes, at the end of the month, you are that faithful person. He says, don't do that. Don't neglect the weightier matters of the law. Don't neglect justice. Don't neglect mercy. Don't neglect faithfulness. While you are diligent in your tithing, you can also be diligent in this. Let's see how Luke reads it. Luke chapter... Um, Luke eleven forty two. Luke chapter eleven and verse forty two. Luke chapter eleven and verse forty two. Thank you, Lord. Luke eleven forty two. It says, "But woe to you, Pharisees, for you pay tithes of mint and rue and every kind of garden herb, and yet disregard justice and the love of God." But these are the things you should have done without neglecting the others. So that means a man can tithe without loving God. Come on, I said a man can tithe without walking in love. God doesn't just want you to be a good tither. He wants you to do it out of the love of God. God doesn't just want you to give out of obligation. He wants you to give out of the love of God. Second Corinthians. Second Corinthians chapter... 9 and verse 7. 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 7. It says, Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion. For God loves what? A cheerful giver. God wants you to give your tithes to him out of faith and love and cheerfulness. Praise the name of the Lord. I'll give you three quotes. John D. Rockefeller, one of the richest men ever. He says, I would never, I never would have been able to tithe the first million dollars I ever made if I had not tithed my first salary, which was $1.50 per week. You know, sometimes when you start tithing, it looks like, God, when I have more money, I'll give. But that's not true. If you can't tithe from what you have, when that money is big, I tell you, it'll be difficult. See that your tithe is a hundred thousand. Say, hey, you start asking yourself, what are they even doing with the money? <laughs> you start asking those questions. When it's five hundred, it's okay. Imagine your tithe is one million. You now remember that in your life, this was this used to be your lifetime goal. Now I'm giving it as tithe. You now start asking yourself, what are they even doing? Because you know what people want us to do. When we are giving to the poor and the widow, they want us to lie them down in the streets. Hmm? Take picture. We are giving six widows. Oh yeah, raise, raise, the, raise what we have given you up. They now raise it up. We raise it up, raise it up. So that we can show you that we are doing good things. And that's wrong. We don't help the poor by exposing them. When a Christian is doing an act of mercy, you keep the people's dignity intact. Because they are created in the image of God. Are you hearing what I'm saying? All right. Now, um, another quote by Robert Morris. George Wesley said, I judge all things only by the price they shall gain in eternity. Robert Morris said, It always requires faith to give the first. That is why so few Christians experience the blessings of tithing. It means giving to God before you see if you're going to have enough. By tithing, it is as if we're saying to God, I recognize you first. 
I'm putting you first in my life and I trust you to take care of the rest of the things in my life. That is why tithing is important. It's a primary way of acknowledging God and saying, come on, you know what God? I put you first and I trust you and I thank you. Praise the name of the Lord. Okay, what is our basic summary today? Six points. Number one, tithing precedes the law. We should follow the steps of faith that Abraham took. Romans chapter 4. So, a tithing precedes the law. It comes before the law. Number two, grace does not negate the law, but rather fills it its full meaning. So, the fact that we are under grace does not mean that the law is abolished, but we have a proper perspective to it. For instance, part of the Ten Commandments means that, uh, says you shouldn't commit murder. It doesn't mean that under grace now you are committing murder. Uh, I mean, sorry. It doesn't mean under grace you can't commit murder. In fact, it says if you hate your brother, you've committed murder. So it brings perspective to the law. That's what grace does. It brings proper perspective to the law. So it's not like we're free from tithing, but we are no longer tithing out of fear or out of under the curse, but we're not tithing out of faith and love from a place of victory. And we do it rejoicing, knowing what our money is accomplishing for the gospel. Number three, Jesus dealt with the motives and matters of justice without condemning the giving of tithes. So Jesus said, listen, you give your tithes faithfully, but you're not fair, you're not just. Today, we want to be just and to be fair and not give tithes. You know, we always have a way of going to the extreme. We can stay in the middle of the road. We can be good and faithful tithers and at the same time, work in justice, work in mercy. Because tithing is a consistent primary stewardship system set in the body of Christ for the local church and the ministry to get the job done. Can you say amen? amen? Number four, every New Testament giving must be a product of faith and love, not fear and curses. It must be a product of what? Faith and love. Come on, everybody say product of faith and love. And not, not fear and curses. Number five, tithing is a baseline systematic stewardship for the believer. Even in the Old Testament, they gave more than 10%. So tithing is a, is a place to start. That's where to start. That's what you can measure. That's a place of a planned giving. So you know 10% goes to God, goes to the local church to get things done, to get my church going, to get uh, meetings and, and things going on. For instance, all our, uh, all our messages on the internet are free and we send them weekly on WhatsApp. Who, who is paying for that? Who is buying the data for that? Who is paying the staff who did those messages? That's what your tithe is doing. And all our staff expect to be paid monthly. They don't expect to be paid as we are led. So you see, being consistent and being faithful gets the job done. Praise God. Number six, we give to our high priest Jesus as we minister to the local church to be able to carry out the various functions within the body of Christ. So Hebrews chapter 7 says that. We represent the Lord and we receive the tithes. And Jesus honored those who give the tithes. Philippians chapter 4 verse 13, when they gave to Paul, Paul said what? He said, this is a sweet smelling savour to God. Praise the name of the Lord. Genuine love for God and growth in the Christian life will result in a mature giving heart. Indeed, a heart dedicated to Christ cannot help but be generous toward God and His people. If you are dedicated to God, if you are passionate about the things of God, you will naturally be generous. Praise the name of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We ask that light will shine on your word. 
In the mighty name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We ask, Father God, that you would touch every heart. would instruct every man. We thank you for the generosity of our partners. The generosity of our givers and the local church. We call them blessed in all their works. And as we give in faith, in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Thank you for listening to Word Connect with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga. We encourage you to share this message with your friends and loved ones. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.pastormax.ng. We would like to hear from you. Send us an email, info at pastormax.ng. Or you can call 0805-888-7575. God bless you.